KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. KMTT, the Torah podcast. Today is Tuesday, Shur in Parshat HaShavua. Shur Parshat HaShavua will be given this week as usual by Harav Chanoch Waxman. This week, Parshat HaTzavah, I would like to discuss the instructions for the Mizbeach HaKtoret, the altar of incense, the Parsha found at the very end of Parshat Shavuot, Parshat Tetzaveh. Um, in Parak Lamed, Pasuk Aleph, the Torah tells us as follows. Vasita Mizbeach Miktak Torah. God commands Moshe to construct an altar, an altar for the burning of incense. And the Torah goes on. Atzei Shittim Taseoto, the material which should be made out of Shittim wood. The Torah goes on. Parak Lamed, Pasuk Bet. Amarako, Vamarachbo, it should have certain dimensions. And then after delineating the dimensions, the Torah informs us that in Pasuk Gimel, the Tzipitao Tozahav Tahor, the Mizbeach should be covered with a covering uh, of, of gold, uh, laminated with gold, so to speak. And then uh, as the Torah goes on, after delineating the dimensions and the materials and the covering, we're told that it's going to have rings and it's going to have poles. And of course, needless to say, this entire description of materials and dimensions, so to speak, harks back to the beginning of Prashat Truma. It cannot fail but to remind us of the instructions for the construction of the vessels mentioned there, for the construction of the Aron, for the construction of the Shulchan, etc., etc. Now, um, as we move along, this sense of connection or this sense of deja vu um, becomes even stronger, and we arrive at the uh, launching point of a rather famous question. Uh, in Parak Lamed, Pasuk Vav, the Torah tells us as follows, It should be placed, well, where is this Mizbeach HaKtoret, this Mizbeach covered in Zahav, covered in gold, which is often known as Mizbeach HaZav, where is it placed? Well, it is placed in the Oel Moed, in the Mishkan, alongside many of the other vessels, in the same general area as the Aron and the Menorah and the Shulchan, most specifically, right next to the Aron and the Shulchan, in the area known as the Kodesh. So there's a kind of dual parallel here in terms of materials, instructions, construction, dimensions on the one hand, and in terms of placement on the other hand. And the connection here is between the Mizbeach HaKtorot, the Mizbeach HaZa'av on the one hand, and the other vessels of the Mishkan on the other hand. And this, of course, leads to the obvious question, question raised by many of the Mepharshim, by Ramban, by Sforno, by Ibn Ezra, well, why are the instructions for the Mizbeach HaKtoret not mentioned in Parshat Truma, along with the instructions for the other vessels? Or, for a moment, to choose the opposite formulation, um, why are the instructions in the Mizbeach HaKtoret, so to speak, displaced uh, or uh, moved here to the end of Parshat Tetzaveh, rather than being found in their proper place back in Parak uh, towards the beginning of Parshat Shuma, and this is known as the famed question of the placement or the displacement of the instructions from the Zbeach HaKtoret, and this is the question I would like to deal with uh, in the Shi'or today. Now, um, at this point, I would like to outline the approach of Sforno uh, to this problem, the solution given by Sforno to this problem, and like the solutions of almost all of them, the Farshim, who deal with this problem, Sforno uh, turns to the uh, seam line or the connection 
between the beginning of Perak Lamed, uh, where the instructions in Zbech HaKtoret are found, and what occurs at the very end of Perak Kaftet, um, as, so to speak, the, the key to understanding the placement of the story of Mizbech HaKtoret, and kind of as introduction uh, to the uh, a theory of Sforno for the uh, explanation of the placement of Mizbech HaKtoret, I would like to turn back to the end of Perak Kaftet, to a parsha which should be thought of as the parsha of Korban Tamid, uh, or that will, I think, will be what we will name it, um, and outline some of the connections between the end of Parak Kaftet, the parsha of Korban Tamid, uh, and the beginning of Parak Lamid, the parsha of the Mizbech HaKtoret, again as kind of introduction to the words of, of Sforno. Um, so if we pick it up in Parak Kaftet, Pasak Lamid Chet, uh, the Torah says as follows, And this is what you shall make upon the Mizbeach. Here, uh, at the end of Perak which is kind of a lengthy set of instructions for how the Chanukat HaMishkan, the Chanukat HaMizbeach, the end of the preparatory period, and the sanctification and induction of Aaron and his sons into the service is going to end, the Torah moves over to describing the Karbanot, and then at the very end of Parak Kavtet, says that this is what you should do on the Mizbeach, Kvasim B'nei Shana, Shnaim Layom Tamid. So, uh, on the Mizbeach, you will bring uh, two Kvasim on a regular basis, two a day, Tamid, constantly. And then the Torah goes on, Parak Lametet, Et HaKeves HaChad Taseh Baboker, Vet HaKeves HaShanit Taseh Bein Harabayim, uh, the first keves will be brought in the morning, and the second keves will be brought in the afternoon. Um, and then, uh, after uh, mentioning in Pasuk Mem and Pasuk Mem Aleph, the instructions for the meal offering and the wine offering, the nesef, the libation, that will accompany the two regular kids, the two regular kfasim brought every day, the Torah, so to speak, uh, wraps things up in Pasuk Mem Bet with the following verse, Olat Tamid, a constant burnt offering for your generations, Petach Olmoed, at the door of the Olmoed, etc. If we note some of the features mentioned here in this parsha of the Korban Tamid at the very end of Perak Kaftat, we can note at least uh, four, three or perhaps four points. The first, that this is a Parshat Mizbeach. It begins in Pasuk Lamed again, V'zeh Asher Ta'aseh Al HaMizbeach. This is what you shall make on the, or what you shall do, what you shall bring on the Mizbeach. Second, we have here a focus on a certain particular time frame. The time frame is every day, um, and this here splits into two. There is one uh, offering that is brought by Boker, and a second offering that is brought Bain Harabayim. And here we reach uh, the final point, or what might be thought of as the fourth point, that the time frame here is not just a, a local short-term time frame of one in the morning and one in the evening, but there's also a sense of an eternal time frame. And this is something that is done everlasting on a regular basis, and that is captured in the phrase found at the beginning of Pasuk Membet, Olat Tamid Lidorotechem. Now, very interestingly enough, these exact same four features of the notion of Mizbeach, the Boker, the Ben Harbayim, and the Tamid Lidorotechem are also found at the beginning of Perak Lamed, in the parsha, uh, which we have called the uh, parsha of Mizbeach HaKtarat, the instructions for the construction of the altar of incense. Uh, of course, the parsha begins, Perak Lamed, Pasuk Aleph, Vasita Mizbeach Miktar This is a parsha of Mizbeach, just like the previous parsha. 
Well, when we jump ahead to the point in the parsha where God finishes transmitting the instructions to Moshe as to how to construct and place the Mizbeach HaKtaret, and God moves over from the instructions for, and, uh, for dimensions and placement and moves over to the story of operations, we encounter the uh, following verse in Paraklamet Pasuk Zayin. V'hiktir alav Aharon k'toret samim. Aharon will bring k'toret samim, uh, incense upon this mizbeach. And when? Baboker, baboker. He does it every morning. And then in Pasuk Chet, u'bahalot Aharon etanei rot ben harabayim. And when Aharon causes the candles or kindles the candles ben harabayim in the afternoon, yaktiren k'toret. So here we have a second and third parallel to the previous parsha: the fact that the offering is done uh, in the boker and the offering is done again in the ben harabayim. And finally, uh, towards the end of pasuk the Torah says, "Tamid l'fnei Hashem techem. We have here not just the short-term time frame, but also the the long-term time frame. The idea. And this is an eternal, everlasting offering that is done forever, and this is captured in the idea of tamid l'dorotechem. So we have here, at the very least, four parallels or connections between the end of Perak Kaftat, the story of the Korban Tamid, the regular offering, and the beginning of Perak Lamed, the story of the Mizbeach HaKtaret. Now, as I mentioned, uh, this is kind of a, uh, a launching point or a key uh, to the placement of the parasha according to Sforno. And at this point, I would like to turn, as well as other Mepharshim, at this point, I would like to turn to the text of, of Sforno. Sforno begins with what may be thought of as a, a negative point. Um, and let us take a look at his text. He says here as follows. Of course, he refers to our problem. Why? This Mizbeach, this altar, is not mentioned with the other vessels of the Mishkan found in Parshat Shumani. He's going to explain. Why is it not mentioned? And his claim here is that the reason why it's not mentioned in Parshat Shumah because it was not the intent of this vessel, of the Mizbeach HaKtoret, to cause the presence of God to rest amongst us, bitochenu, amongst the people, as was the intent uh, with the other vessels, as it says there at the beginning of Parashat Shumah, now, what exactly does uh, Sforno mean uh, by this? Well, I, I think, I believe he is drawing upon a point already made by Ibn Ezra, back in Parshat Shuma, and a point that is common to many of uh, the Mepharshim, a point that requires a certain understanding of what the structure of the Mishkan uh, is all about. As Ibn Ezra in Parshat Shuma points out, the Mishkan is, of course, a house, and the vessels of the Mishkan um, resemble the vessels of a simple domestic residence. Uh, there's the Shulchan, there's the table, uh, there's the menorah, which is the lamp, and then, of course, there's the Aron. What does the Aron represent? Well, the upspread wings form, so to speak, a seat. And the Aron is the Kisei. So overall, the Mishkan is the Beit Hashem. It is the house of God. Um, the Aron is the seat, is the Kisei, and the Shulchan is the table, and the Menorah is the lamp. And the idea of this structure, this simple domestic structure, this simple domestic arrangement, is that somehow we invite God's presence in, 
um, or we draw God's presence in, and God literally dwells amongst B'nai Yisrael, v'shachanti b'tocham, in the language of the verse in Perak Kafhei. Now the point of Ibn Ezra, and Sforno here as well, is that the Mizbeach HaKtoret plays absolutely no role uh, in this domestic structure, in this house-like structure. Um, it is not part of the simple arrangement of Kisei, Shulchan, and Menorah, and therefore, as such, it is not mentioned in Parshat Shuma, the segment of the Torah that outlines the instructions for the structure that leads to Vishachanti Pitocham, and therefore we already, so to speak, understand from a negative perspective why the Mizbeach HaKtorah does not mention in Parshat Shuma, and this is the first point that Sforno makes. Now, from here, Sforno moves on uh, to a positive point about why the Mizbeach HaKtorah is mentioned uh, where it is mentioned, and that's going to draw us back to the connection between uh, the Korban Tamid, the end of Parak Kaftet, and the Mizbech HaKtor at the beginning of Parak Lamid that we already mentioned. So let us return to the text of uh, Sforno. After noting that the Karbanot are part of this process of drawing God into his house, of inviting God into his house, um, Sforno uh, says as follows, it was the intent and the purpose of the Mizbeach to honor uh, God, blessed, blessed be He, God who is praised, after after He came to accept. Uh, the service of his people in the sacrifices made in the morning and the evening, and so to speak, to greet him uh, with a minchat ktorat. What Sforno says here, and it may be best to return to the text, is that the Karbanot mentioned, or the Karban Tamid mentioned at the very end of Parak Kaftet, play a key role in inviting or bringing God's presence into his dwelling, into his Mishkan. Um, for example, in Parak Kaftet, Pasuk uh, Membet, uh, the Pasuk that contains the phrase Olat Tamid, the Torah says as follows, Olat Tamid L'dorotechem Petach Ol Moed, it will be a constant offering for your generations at the door of the Ol Moed, L'fnei Hashem in front of God, Asher Iva'ed Lachem Shama, that I will meet with you there. And in the next verse, Pasuk Mem Gimel, And I will meet with you there, and I will be sanctified. Or in Pasuk Mem Hay, in the very same parsha, And I will dwell amongst the Bnei Israel. So when the Karbanot are brought, Boker and Erev, when they are brought, Boker and Ben Harbayim, that is the point, so to speak, where at the very least, metaphorically, God is present, God comes to meet, and that's exactly what brings us to the Mizbeach HaKtorat, and to the Ketorat. The Ketorat is brought at the very same time, in parallel, Boker and Erev, along with the Korban Tamid, as a way of greeting God's emergent presence, as a way of welcoming God's presence, as a Mincha, L'shacher panav, as Sferno said, as an offering to greet God's arrival in his home. And this is the idea of the Ketoret. Um, so, we might say that this is Sferno's response to the problem of the placement, or his explanation to the problem of the placement or uh, misplacement of the Zbeach HaKetoret. The answer is, is that it, the parsha is found here at the beginning of Parak Lamed, right after Parak Kaftet, right next to the parsha of Karbanot. Because the very whole idea of the Ketoret 
is closely connected to the idea of the Karbanot. When uh, the Karban Tamid is brought in the Boker and the Bein Harbayim and God's presence arrives, uh, the Ketarot is brought as a way of greeting God, as an offering to God who has now arrived. On some level, the Ketarot is a kind of conceptual postscript uh, to Karbanot, and therefore the parsha of Perak Lama that describes in Be'ach HaKetarot occurs right next to the parsha at the end of Perak Kaftet, the parsha of Karban Tamid. Things are, in fact, in their right, proper place. We might phrase it as follows. As Ketarot is a kind of conceptual postscript to Karbanot, is a kind of additional avodah brought when God arrives, so too it is kind of a textual postscript uh, to the Parsha of Karban Tamid. It follows right on its heels and in parallel, and I think this is the approach of Sforno to the placement of the Parsha of Mizbeach HaKtaret. Um, now, I think this is a very interesting approach, um, yet nevertheless, I think it carries with it some problems, um, in that perhaps Sforno has underestimated the significance uh, or importance, so to speak, undervalued uh, the Ma'asah HaKetorit, the bringing of Ketorit, in treating it as no more than a conceptual postscript to Karbanot, or in treating it as no more than, so to speak, a, a textual postscript uh, to the Mishkan itself uh, and uh, to the Karbanot mentioned at the beginning of Perak Kaftet. And to elaborate upon this, and to outline a slightly different approach uh, to the placement of the Parsha Mizbeach HaKtora to our Parsha, the beginning of Perak Lamed, I would like to turn uh, to a very interesting piece of text, uh, again to the physical placement of the Mizbeach HaKtora itself, which is mentioned in Perak Lamed, uh, Pasuk Zion. So we pick it up there, Perak Lamed, Pasuk Vav. So if we pick it up there, the Torah says as follows, uh, God says to Moshe as follows, V'natata Oto, the Fnei HaParochet, and you shall place the Mizbeach HaKtorot in front of the Parochet. And then, well, the Torah just told us, or God told Moshe, where the Mizbeach HaKtorot, where the altar of incense should be placed. It should be placed, Lifnei HaParochet, meaning in the middle area, in what we colloquially know as the Kodesh, of course, near the Shulchan and the Menorah. Yet then the Torah continues on and says the following, uh, and again, beginning from the beginning of the verse, just so this should be clear, parochet, and you shall place it in front of the curtain, asher al haron ha'edut, that is in front of or upon the uh, ark of the testimony, lefnei kaporet, which is in front of the kaporet, asher al ha'edut, which is upon uh, the testimony, asher iva'ed l'chashama, uh, that I will appear or meet with you there. In other words, after the mention of the Fneha Parochet, which gives you the actual physical placement of the Mizbeach HaKtorah, that it is placed in the area known as the Kodesh, the, continue, the Torah continues on with this very strange and lengthy phrase to repeat, Asher al-Aron ha'edut l'fnei ha'kaporet asher al-Aidut asher yiva'id l'chashama. Again, loosely translating, which is in front of the Ark of the Testimony, uh, which is in front of the Kaporet, which is upon the Testimony, where I will meet with you there. And this is a rather strange because you have your kind of double mention, the edut, the testimony is mentioned twice, the kaporet is mentioned, the aron is mentioned. Now, this could be just a kind of parenthetical comment 
just a kind of description of the parochet. It is the case that the parochet blocks off the area where the kaporet and the aron neidut are found. Yet, nevertheless, it seems uh, rather strange that this parenthetical comment is inserted at this point in the Torah and Periklamet Pasik Vav, immediately after the mention of the placement of the Mizbeach HaKtoret, it is ki'ilu, so to speak, as if the Torah is setting up some sort of connection between Mizbeach HaKtoret on the one hand, and the Arona Edut Kaporet on the other hand. The two are mentioned, so to speak, in both halves of the Pasuk here. Now, I think, in fact, this is very much the case, and this can best be noted, uh, there are many ways to see this, um, but uh, one of the ways to see this is to, is to jump a bit further ahead, uh, a bit later on in Parak Lamed, to the Parsha of the Torah that describes the instructions for the making of the Ktart Samim, for the making of the incense, the mixing of the incense, that will be brought upon uh, the Mizbeach. And here, after beginning in Perak Lamed, Pasuk Lamed Hay, uh, where God begins to tell Moshe the ingredients, um, we're told in Perak Lamed, Pasuk Lamed Vav, the following, V'shachakta mimena hadek, and you shall grind it very dark, very thin, V'natata mimena lefnei ha'edut ba'ol mo'ed, and you shall place it, meaning apparently place this ktoret lefnea edut in front of the testimony, ba'ol mo'ed, in the tent of meeting, asher iva'ed l'chashama, where I will meet with you, kodesh kadashim t'yeh lachem. It will be the holiest of holies to you. Now, if we actually pay careful attention to the verse here, on the surface, it sounds like the Torah Samim, the spices themselves, are going to be placed in front of the testimony in the place where I will meet with you. It sounds like it's actually placed right next to the Ark of the Testimony, right next to the Arona Eidut, itself, and this is a phrase we elaborated upon a bit last week, where I will meet with you. Um, it almost as if there are Two sets or two places of ktorat. There's the Mizbeach HaKtorat on the outside, and then there's this bizarre placement of the spices themselves, the ktorat on the inside, uh, right next to the Arona Edot itself. Um, now, uh, Ramban does seem to toy uh, with this idea, um, but the consensus amongst the Parshanim is that uh, there's a kind of missing mention of the Mizbeach itself here in this verse. Uh, and the fundamental point of this verse is to create a geographic alignment of the Mizbeach HaKtoret um, against, adjacent, or over and against uh, the Eidut itself. And the way this verse should be read is something along the following, so, following uh, lines, according to, again, according to the majority of most Mepharshim, V'natata mimena, and you shall place it and the Mizbeach HaKtoret along with it, L'fnei ha'edut ba'or mo'ed, asha'ev ha'ed l'chashama, L'fnei ha'edut does not mean immediately next to, but it means adjacent or in parallel or in juxtaposition to. Meaning, if we think about the geographic arrangement of the various kelim uh, in the Kodesh, if we have the Shulchan, the Menorah, and the Mizbeach HaKtorot, what this verse tells us is that the Mizbeach HaKtorot is going to be aligned uh, on a direct line with the Arona Heidut, where God will meet with us. They, so to speak, exist on a kind of parallel, uh, on a line with each other. They stand in parallel to each other. And this most probably is also 
the meaning of paraglamet pasik vav vinatata otelufnei aparochat asher alaron haedut lufnei hakaporet asher alaedut lufnei here meaning in alignment and in fact this of course is the opinion adopted the halacha that the mizbeach haktorit is required to stand adjacent to the Arona Haidut. So we have here, if we take a look at this set of verses that we've been discussing, a kind of dual connection, uh, a dual link between the Mizbeach HaKtorot on the one hand and the Arona Haidut on the other hand. The first connection is this physical alignment. They are aligned vis-a-vis each other on a straight line, one in the Kodesh and one in the Kodesh Kodeshim. And the second and crucial connection, which can be glimpsed, from the end of Paraglamid, Pasuk Lamed Vav, which I read a moment ago, Kodesh Kadashim Tier Lachem, the Mizbeach HaKtorit is in some sense known as Kodesh Kadashim. Although it is located in the Kodesh, in the Holy, it is in some sense of the Holiest of Holies, of the Kodesh Kadashim. And this is a kind of another connection between the Aron Kaporet on the one hand and the Mizbeach HaKtorit on the other hand. They are both Kodesh Kadashim. Now, in point of fact, there are quite a few other connections, and I would like to elaborate upon two more crucial connections uh, between the Mizbeach HaKtorit and the Aron Eidut of Aron Kaporet. If we take a look in the very last verse of the instructions from the Mizbeach HaKtorit in Perakul Lamed, Pasuk Yud, uh, as part of the instructions for operations of the Mizbeach HaKtorat and for bringing of the Ketorat, the Torah tells us something very interesting. Paraklamet Pasek Yud. V'chiper Aaron al karnotav achat bashana, and Aaron will perform atonement upon the horns of the Mizbeach, of the altar, once a year, mitam chatat kipurim from the blood of the sin offering of forgiveness of Yom HaKippurim, achat bashana once a year, yichaper alav adoratechem, kodesh kadashim hula Hashem. So here, of course, we have another mentioning of kodesh kadashim uh, at the very end of the Parsha Mizbeach Torah that has a status of kodesh kadashim, and this was our, our second link. But here, in the beginning of the verse, there's this mention of the fact that once a year, there's a kapara procedure that is done with the blood of the chatat Yom HaKippurim on the Mizbeach HaKtorat. Now, for those of us who can remember from a previous year, that which yet lies ahead in Vayikra Perek Tetzayin, in the story of Biat Kodesh, when Aaron enters into the Kodesh Kadashim, or when the Kohen Gadol enters into the Kodesh Kadashim, once a year, uh, on Yom HaKippurim, of course, what is done there is the sprinkling of the blood, the process of kapara from the Dam HaKippurim, and the blood is sprinkled upon the Aron and the Kaporet Bifnim. And then, of course, after the blood is sprinkled on the Aron and the Kaporet Bifnim as part of the process of Kapra for B'nai Israel from all of their sins, well then, uh, Aron then comes and goes back out and he does the very same Kapra sprinkling of blood process upon the Mizbeach HaKtorat, upon the Mizbeach HaZav, and that is what is mentioned here in Perak Lamed Pasuk Yud. So, there is here a third connection between the Aron Kaporet on the one hand and the Mizbeach HaKtorat on the other hand. They are the two sides, or they are both locations of uh, the blood-sprinkling Kapara procedure for the sins of B'nai Yisrael that is done once a year on Yom HaKippurim, and that is explicitly mentioned here in the Parsha, and this is a a third connection between the Mizbeach HaKtorat and the Aron Kaporet on the other hand. Now, there is yet a fourth, I think perhaps this, uh, the most crucial one, and this might be thought of as the 
connection of, of place. Um, where is Ketoret uh, performed? Well, uh, Ketoret is performed, according to our Pasha here in Shemot, in a very particular place, and it's rather explicit. Perk Lamed, Pasuk Zayin, says as follows. V'hiktir alav Aaron Ketoret Samim, Baboker, Baboker, etc. So Aaron will bring the incense upon the altar, upon the Mizbeach HaKetoret, every morning, every evening. It is done in the Kodesh. It is a daily procedure that is done on the Mizbeach HaKetoret. That is where Ketoret, the Maaseh Ketoret, is performed. However, there is one other place uh, where it is mandated that Ketoret is performed. And this, again, pushes us forward to Vayikra, Peraktet Zion, uh, and here I get to par- the beginning of Parshat Achremot, and here it is worthwhile to take a look at the verses uh, themselves. Parakta Zayin of Ayikra, Pasuk Bet, reads as follows. Daber al Haron ve'obana ve'lko b'nei Yisrael, etc. Sorry, incorrect. Parakta Zayin, Pasuk Aleph reads as follows. So God spoke to Moshe after the death of two sons of Aaron and Pasuk Bet. Speak to Aaron, your brother. Do not come at all times to the holy area that is inside the Parochat, El Pnea Kaporet, to the Kaporet itself, Asher Al Aaron, which is upon the ark. Don't come uh, at all times and then you will not die. Because in a cloud I appear upon the kaporet. And so therefore, Aaron is in general forbidden to come into the Kodesh Kodeshim, to come into the area of the Aaron kaporet, except under these conditions, Aaron is allowed to come into the Kodesh. Uh, and in fact, on some level, the entire parsha of Perak Zion, found in Vayikra, the beginning of Parshat Achraimot, might be thought of as Parshat Biat Kodesh. The conditions for Haron or some other Kohen Gadol entering into the Kodesh Kadashim, entering into the Holy of Holies, the place where the Parochet is. Um, now, what is the primary condition? Well, the primary condition is found uh, later on in Perak Tetzayin, Pasuk Bet, when the Torah describes exactly how it is that Aaron enters. And we're told there, V'lakach maloha machta gachalei esh, Aaron will take a fire pen full of fire, me'ala mizbeach, from milfnei Hashem, from upon the mizbeach haktorot, which is in front of Hashem, you know, the inner mizbeach, umeloch hafnaf k'torot samim daka, and a festival full of finely ground k'torot, ve'evimi beit la parochet, and then he enters into, behind the parochet, v'natan et haktorot ala esh lefnei Hashem, and then he does the k'torot, he places the k'torot on the fire, in the machta, in the fire pan, lefnei Hashem, v'chisa anan haktorot et hakaporet, asher al heidut v'loyamut. And then a cloud from the act of Ketoret rises up and it covers the Kaporet that is upon the Eidot, Veloyamut, and then Aaron does not die. In other words, there is a kind of fourth parallel between the Mizbech HaKetoret on the outside and uh, the Aaron Eidot on the outside. They are both places where the Masek Torah is done. On the Mizbech HaKetoret on the outside, the Masek Torah is done on a daily basis. 
and at the place of Kaporet Eidut, on the Aron, the Masek Tart is done once a year as the primary condition for Aaron's entering into the Kodesh Kadashim and not dying. As part and parcel of the Avodat Yom HaKippurim, you have here another, a fourth connection of place between the Aron Eidut Kaporet on the one hand and the Mizbeach Tort on the other hand. Now, to make sense of all this, and to try to return to our original question as to the placement of the parsha Mizbeach HaKtoret, I would like to turn to yet another element, uh, what might be thought of as a, as a visual element, perhaps another connection between the Mizbeach HaKtoret on the one hand and the Aron Kaporet Eidot on the other hand, one which I think is, is manifest in the Pesukim in, in Perak Zion of Vayikra. Let us pick it up again in uh, Perak Tetzayin, Pasuk Yudgimu. V'natan et haktorot ala esh, when Aaron enters into the Kodesh Kodeshim, he places the ktorot on the fire, in the fire pen of Nei Hashem. V'chisa anan haktorot et hakaporet. The ktorot goes up in anan. The ktorot goes up in a cloud, and it covers et hakaporet ashal edut v'loyamut, and then Aaron does not die. Now, the meaning of this verse is, is very, very difficult and very, very strange. But without a shadow of a doubt, the whole story here of the Esh and the Anan uh, that occurs when Aaron enters into Kodesh Kodeshim and brings Ketoret is meant to connect back to the beginning of uh, the Parsha here in Parakhtet Zayin. Because if we think about it, there's the mention of the Parochet here, there's a mention here of the Anan, there's a mention of the Kapor, there's a mention of Loyamut not dying. And this, of course, harks back to Parakhtet Zayin Pasuk Bad, and I read it again. Here's the parochet, El Pnea Kaporet, to the Kaporet, Ashel Aaron, Beloyamot, and don't die. Ki Be'anan Ira'el Kaporet, because in a cloud I appear on the Kaporet. So we have this parallelism between the parochet, the Kaporet, the Loyamot, but especially the Anan. Um, there's this Anan that God appears in upon the Kaporet, in Perak Tetzayin Pasig Bet. And then there's this Anan that's made out of the Esh uh, by the Ketorot when Aaron enters in, and that is somehow the key to not, uh, not dying. Now, once again, what exactly the, the connection between the two Ananim, between the two clouds is, the cloud that God appears in and the cloud made by Aaron with the Ketorot, are they different clouds? Are they identical clouds? I don't really know, and it's not crucial for our discussion at this point. But it's certain that they are connected in some way, that certainly both of them are connected to this idea of the cloud of God that's Erael Kaport, and this requires a bit of elaboration. Um, now, to try to elaborate upon this and to pull it all together, I would like to go back to a, a famous, famous point uh, made by Ramban, um, and some Sukim found at the very, very end of Perkafdalid of Sefer Shmot. Um, in the story of Mahmad Harsinai, verses that might be thought of serving as a kind of introduction to the entire story of uh, the Mishkan. In Perak Kavdalit, Pasuk Tetzayin, the Torah reports as follows, Vayishkon kvot Hashem al Harsinai, and the glory of God rested upon Harsinai, Vayichaseo ha'anan sheshet yamim, so the glory of God rested, Mishkan, Shachon, rested, dwelled upon Har Sinai, 
and uh, it was manifested in a cloud. There's the cloud of God upon our Sinai, which is symbolic of the actual presence of God. And of course, how does this appear to B'nai Yisrael? The very next verse, Pasuk Yudzayin, Umarek Kvod Hashem, and the vision or the appearance of the glory of God, Ke'esh Ochelet Barosh Shahar B'nai Yisrael, was like a consuming fire to the eyes of B'nai Yisrael. So you have at Har Sinai the idea of the glory of God resting Shochein upon the mountain, and the the visual element is the Anan, the cloud, and the Esh, the Anan and the Esh together, which somehow symbolize the actual presence of God upon the mountain. Now, Ramban points out, in elaborating upon the Mishkan Sinai parallels, he of course points to these Pesukim, and points out that the very same glory of God that rested upon Har Sinai rested upon the Mishkan, and that is the meaning of the meeting, the Beit Vav, the Oh Moed, the Hit Adut, the meeting that takes place in the Mishkan. It is, so to speak, an expansion of Sinai, and this we discussed a little bit last week. And Ramban points out that that Anan that rests upon the Kaparat is the very same Kavod, the very same glory of God that rested upon Har Sinai. And Ramban points out this is why the Kaparat and the Kruvim are made out of pure gold. Because pure gold visually resembles the fire, resembles the Aish. It's the Aish and the Anan of Sinai that is the Kaparat Anan mentioned at the beginning of Eker Perak Tetzayin. Now I think the point, if this is all correct, then the Aish and Anan of the Ketoret are really the exact same Eshanan. They're the exact same presence of God, the exact same containment or reflection of the kavod, of the glory of God, that is existing somehow in the Esh and the Ketorot, when the Anan comes up from the Ketorot, just as it exists in the Esh and, uh, and ka- just exists in the Kaporet Anan, where God meets and speaks with B'nai Yisrael, and just as it once existed in Harsinai. Um, now, if all of this is correct, it certainly explains the connections between Mizbeach HaKtorot on the one hand and um, the Aron Eidut, Kaporet, on the other hand. They parallel each other because they are both manifestations of the Kavod of Hashem. The Kavod of Hashem is found in the Kodesh Kadashim upon the Kaporet in the Anan of God that is there. And in some sense, the Kavod of Hashem is also found upon the Mizbeach HaKtorot when the Ketorot is brought, when the cloud goes up, it is again the gold, the Esh, and the Anan, which symbolize the Kavot of Hashem. On some plane, we might say, that the daily action of Ketorot is an attenuated version of the meeting with God, or the revelation with God that happens in the Kodesh Kodeshim once a year, but it happens on a daily basis, on the outside of the Mizbeach Ketorot, in so to speak, a smaller, reduced, or attenuated fashion. Or we might say um, that the Avodat HaKetorat is the means by which the Divine Presence is brought forth by human initiative from the Kodesh Kodeshim to the Kodesh on the daily basis. Whichever formulation doesn't matter, but certainly this is more than enough to explain all the connections between the Mizbeach HaKetorat and the Aron HaEidut that we have noted. They are, so to speak, both places where the Kavod HaVashem is manifest. Now, this brings us back to our original problem that we began with, the placement of the instructions for the Mizbeach HaKtorat, and with this we will wrap things up. In order to understand the placement of the Mizbeach HaKtorat, I think we need to turn back again to the Parsha of Korban Tamid, uh, and the very ending verses uh, of that Parsha. As mentioned previously, the Parsha of Korban Tamid is not just about the daily Korban, but it's also about the inauguration of the Mishkan itself, uh, the first time that those korbanot were brought, 
at the end of the period of inauguration of Miluim, when Aaron was inducted uh, into Avodah. Um, and as part of that parsha, we have two very key verses, Parak Kavtet, Pasuk Membet, and Parak Kavtet, Pasuk Memhe. Parak Kavtet, Pasuk Membet, we've read it before, it says as follows. As part of the end of Pashat Korban Tamid, the Torah refers to the meeting between God and Am Yisrael in the Mishkan. And further on in Pasuk Yisrael. And this is the whole purpose of the Mishkan, that I will dwell there amongst B'nai Yisrael and meet with you there. And I will be their God. That is how the Pashat of Korban Tamid ends. That is how, so to speak, um, the first Pashat Mizbeach ends. It is exactly at this point, after the mention of God, meeting with the Jewish people of God, resting in the Mishkan as part of the process of Karbanot, well, that's exactly where Mizbeach HaKtorot is then mentioned, Perak Lamed, Pasak Aleph, through Yud, because Mizbeach HaKtorot is fundamentally about the exact same theme of expanding the presence of God in the world, of bringing the presence of God in the world, because it is in that ish in that Anan, in that gold of the Mizbech HaKtorot and the Masek that the Divine Presence is reflected, and hence the Pasha follows the mention of the Shachanti B'toch B'nai Yisrael in Perak Kavtet, Pasuk Memhei, and this is a kind of alternative explanation for the placement uh, of the Pasha here at the end of Pasha Tetzaveh. It is part of the story of the functioning of the Mishkan, found here in Pasha Tetzaveh, um, and the means by which the Divine Presence is, so to speak, brought forth from the Kodesh Kadashim.